Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Clancy, and making a long awaited return this week. It's just one guest, but we only need one guest when he talks as much as this person does. It's my least favorite Australian, Nicholas Carroll. Nick, welcome back. Uh, thanks, Connor. Least favorite. I thought it was favorite, but um, I'm just glad to be back. I got a call back. I thought I was finished. That was it. But. Um, no, I'm here, Serie A. It's great. Three weeks in, um, exciting season. So I'm I'm happy to be here talking about football. So um, let's hope you behave yourself tonight. You are our Leonardo Spinazzola. You you misbehaved over the summer, so you're in the stands for the first few weeks of the season. But give it time, and you'll become a regular again. Um, so transfer windows closed. International break is done. Serie A can actually get a bit of momentum now before the next international break in about two weeks or whatever it is. But I suppose before we actually crack on with this, we have opened a bit of a store on the site. So if you head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com, along the top banner thing, there's a section right out there on the right store. You can buy a couple of mugs. There's a beautiful Roberto Baggio one, which is my favorite, and there's a Fabio Cannavaro one is the other, but the Baggio one's definitely the one to go for, to be honest. But check those out. We might be adding some more things as the months go by. Right, on with this. Juventus beat Chievo. Um, Nick, I almost hate talking about Juventus because we get criticised whether we do or don't, but there's nothing really we can say about them. I think the most interesting thing to take from this was that, despite not starting, Paolo Dybala was probably the standout performer. Um, the one thing I really took from this was Massimiliano Allegri afterwards said that he believes that he can go on to become one of the best in the world up there with Messi and well, to the level of Messi and Ronaldo after they retire. That's surely a bit too far, isn't it? If you asked me one or two seasons ago, I'd say, yeah, for sure. But um, 
to be honest, the way he's playing at the moment, it's, um, you know, you could see that in it. It's astonishing to think how good he could actually be. He's still developing so much. Um, and as you said, he only played a small cameo appearance but still stole the headlines from that match. Um, and for anyone that was watching the match, it, it wasn't even – obviously he scored um, – later on in the match, uh, I think it was in the final couple of minutes. But for me, it wasn't actually that that was the most impressive. It was his presence when he first got onto the pitch for um, Gonzalo Higuain's goal. Now, he was in the lead-up to that. He got the ball, and then um, he was running towards Miralem Pjanic. Now, it was just his presence. He didn't particularly do too much. He had got the ball, but um, his presence, just going to the left towards where Pjanic was, the defence was just simply following him and then that allowed Higuain to just run against the tide, gave him so much space and had an open shot on goal. And that's Dybala's impact when he doesn't even have the ball. His presence alone creates so much space for the likes of a Higuain and it makes his job so much easier and even a Pjanic's job to find that ball. So his presence alone, because he is so dangerous, we all know how dangerous he is around on the edge of the box. And and then we saw later on when he does have the ball at his feet, beats one player, beats two players, beats the same player um, a third time and wrong foots the keeper with a shot. So um, either way, it's so hard for a defence because if you – if you go to him, um, it leaves a Higuain open. If you hold off, he'll just pull the trigger. So, Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Because Bella de Bala off the ball has always been brilliant. Yeah. But it's his on-the-ball play that, I'm not going to say leaves a lot to be desired, but when it comes to finishing and scoring goals and getting himself on the score sheet rather than Higuain, maybe there are improvements to be made in his game there. Personally, I think that he should be scoring more goals and, it looks like he's going to do that this season. What is it, five goals in three games that he's got this year? Have I got that completely wrong? But um, when he joined Juve, Higuain was saying, obviously, how much he was looking forward to playing with him. And you can see why, because as he said, he drags defenders all over the place. And if Higuain even gets an extra half a yard from Dybala or elsewhere, he's going to take that chance that comes as a result of that extra half a yard. But yeah, I think that that partnership in particular this year could do something really special, which kind of leads you on to thinking me and you, I think both tipped Napoli for the Scudetto. Am I right? Yes. Were we a bit too quick to jump the gun? But I'm going to defend myself before even asking the question. <laughs> I wasn't saying that Juventus are rubbish now, but I just think that this is the year that Napoli will do it. And I stand by that. Hmm. But were we and other people maybe a little bit too guilty of just riding off Juve too early? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so because, I mean, I think they're still rightly the favourites, I think. And and to be clear, not to downplay Juventus because, you know, they've done everything they've needed to. They haven't done anything wrong, haven't put a foot out of line for sure. But, you know, in saying that at the moment they've played, um, who have they played? Uh, Chievo, um, I've just had a mind blank. Um but they, they haven't really been tested this season just as, yeah, Chievo, Cagliari and Genoa. Yeah. Sorry. Um, which was 12th, 14th and 16th respectively last season. So it's not, you know, with all due respect, it's not, they haven't been tested as of yet. So we're yet to see where they really stand. Um, and 
you know, the, the big thing I think this season is is the shift where we're actually possibly going to see their biggest strength is their attack as opposed to their defence, which it has always been, this whole era of success. So, And obviously Dybala is going to be central to that um, with Higuain, I guess, uh, uh, an accomplice to that. So I think that's going to be the biggest shift to that and it's how they adjust to possibly not not necessarily win games with their defence but score enough goals to to win those same games where Napoli, it's the same as last season, it's the same thing and I'm sure we'll talk about them later but um, I think that's why it's that consist- there's more consistency in that team which possibly, um, you know, convinces the likes of you and me to, to back them to win this season. Yeah, I 100% agree. They do... With Daniel Rugani and Medi Benatia, they do have players who can fill in and replace Bonucci, but they're not quite of his level. And I, I do agree that they do need to focus more on the attacking side of their game because, let's face it, they have some brilliant players in attack, Dybala and Higuain mm. being just two of them. One of the questions has just come in on the side, and it's what do you think is better for Juventus? The 4-2-3-1, which we saw a lot of towards the back end of last season in particular, or a 4-3-3? So I'll, I'll leave that with you if you want to take it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit sure for this season. Um, last season, I definitely think four two three one was was the formation that they needed to get it done with. That if they were going to have a chance of like winning the Champions League, but um, you know that that midfield has been a little bit of a problem for them, and I can see how a four three three might suit them more. But in saying that, you know, I don't think with this squad, I don't think there's anything wrong with um, going between. I think it would be a good thing for this team to be able to transition between those two formations, particularly in going from Serie A to the Champions League because 4-2-3-1 quite possibly would work um, for Serie A throughout the season um, where those two, um, you know, Pjanic and Kadira can do the job. They've proved it time and time again. But whether they can do that in the Champions League is a whole other story altogether. So, um, I don't know. Do you have a preference? For... On that 4 2 3 1, I think last season it worked brilliantly because they had Alexandro on the left and Daniel exactly. on the right. Yeah. That's so, it. when the two of them pushed forward, they had that extra cover in midfield. But if they're going with a 4 3 3, it's usually just one sitting, one box to box, and then one just kind of doing his own thing, which might leave them a little bit exposed if they've only got two centre backs. But I think. We've seen with Allegri, he's well able to, he has them well trained enough that they can just go from one to the other. One of the things I praised them for last season was how they could flip between, what was it, the 3-5-2 and the 4-2-3-1, just at the, like, the click of Allegri's fingers, basically, which was very impressive. But I think that's enough Juventus talk, Nick. I'm sure you don't really want to be spending too long talking about them. Um, I think the biggest story from this weekend and for the sake of our Milan fans, we didn't start with this. But they were smashed at Lazio 4 1. It, it was hard not to laugh when you saw the. <laughs> I checked the score for the first time and it was 3 0 to Lazio. And I was thinking, I might not even bother watching this back. But what happened to the Rossoneri? Um, I th- I th- to be honest, I think um, Leonardo P- Benucci probably said it best. It was purely, uh, I, I don't know what his particular quote was, was it a slap in the face or something like that? Yeah, he said it needs to be a wake-up call for these players. Um, it should act as a healthy slap in the face, he said. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I'm, you know, I don't think Rossoneri friends should be 
panicking already and thinking we've spent all this money and now we're still getting beat, you know, 4-1. You know, it's it's only three games in, as one of the commenters has pointed out. You know, obviously all teams are still getting into the match. I do realise that, uh, getting into the season, I should say. Um, and look, the, the thing is it's this, this squad, and I think we've probably said this quite a few times, but this squad was always going to need time to come together and, you know, Leonardo Benucci is leading a very new defence and a very new squad altogether. So there, there was always going to be these teething issues and these kind of problems. And unfortunately for them, they ran into a Lazio outfit um, that was just rampant and an incredible Chira Immobile who um, was just brutal in attack. So, you know, you, you could also take into consideration the the delay of the match, you know, possibly put off... Um, the preparation. So, you know, there's a lot of things like that. So it's it's not a good result, obviously, but, you know, you have to look at it in the schemes of things. And I think it just proves that, you know, you can spend 200 million euros, but at the end of the day, the the work's only just begun for Vincenzo Montella. So now's where the, yeah, the, the real task is to get this team ticking and working like a real Scudetto challenging squad. Absolutely. I think having Bonucci in there will help them. Hmm. so much as this season progresses, especially after disappointing results like that, because he knows how to win. Even if he wasn't the key ingredient in that Juventus team, he was there. He saw it all happen. Yeah. He knows how to go through these disappointments. We saw at the beginning of last season, Juventus had a terrible start. It was the season before last, actually, wasn't it? In October, they were something like yeah, mid-table. Yeah, last, yeah. yeah, and they just put together it was a 25-game winning streak yeah. or something in the league, so He's been through these obstacles before and come through it. So having him in there will certainly be of huge help. We're going to come on to Chiro Mobile in a little bit, but one concern I possibly saw in that Milan team was Lucas Biglia and Ricardo Montalivo cannot play together. Hmm. They, neither of them move enough, really. And Someone made a great point. It might have been Ogo Silla over the summer that when Milan were making all these signings, he was still waiting on the one that made Montalivo irrelevant. And when they got Lucas Biglia, I thought he was that. Yeah. But then they played together and Montella was actually asked about this after the game and he said, well, it depends a lot on the third midfielder, which I thought was strange because it almost felt like he was pointing a finger of blame at Frank Kessie. Who, yeah, exactly. He covers a lot of ground, but if you're asking him to cover the ground of himself, Biglia and Montalivo, he's going to come up a bit short. So do you think that Montella will learn from this mistake of playing the two of them together. He seemed adamant that they can, but was that just him defending his players? I, I think Montalivo needs to be dropped. Well, I mean, it's it, I, I don't know if there's too many people out there, including Milan fans, that are shocked by this because, as you said, um, by who, whoever you mentioned that said that, it's 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 strange that after Bilia was brought in that Montalivo stayed because in for me, Bilia was brought in to do the job that Montalivo failed to do in recent seasons. And then more as well, because he's exactly. a fan. Exactly. So it it doesn't to me it doesn't make sense. It's a it's a waste to have them both on the pitch because um I think I I'm a big fan of Bilia. You know, he's he's not um, nothing fancy by any means, but he does the job and he did that perfectly with Lazio last season. So um I c I can't see the value you know maybe whether it's an experience type of thing or whether 
whether men- mentally he's a big part of this Milan squad still, I'm not sure. You know, that's possibly something that we, we aren't privy to. Um, it's hard to say, but, you know, for a lot of pundits and probably you and me included, I, I, I can't understand it. And um, for Milan fans' sake, I, I really hope that um, Montalivo, you know, it sounds bad to say, but I really hope that Montalivo is, is, isn't get, seeing too many minutes because it's just not for the good of the team. No, it's completely fair. I think they should have sold him, just got rid of him. Yeah. Maybe no one was interested, but he was their captain. Hmm. And then Leonardo Benucci came in and was named captain straight away. So Montalivo is redundant, completely redundant. And then maybe Manuel Locatelli will get more minutes if Montalivo wasn't still knocking around. But I don't know, maybe as the season goes on, Biglia will kind of take that holding position. Cassie will do all the running and I don't know, maybe Jack Bonaventura will come in and complete a midfield three, which those three in midfield will be quite exciting because Bonaventura isn't afraid to work hard either. Well, just with the defence, because I might actually go um, mention one of the comments um, regarding Benucci himself. Do you think he's actually, he's possibly being more exposed now um, that he doesn't have the likes of uh, uh, Chiellini or Bazzali with him, which he is kind of developed with over the last five years, five, six years at Juventus is, are we mainly possible? Is it, is a result of that? Because um, one of the commenters says that he was, he believes he was a disaster. Yeah. He goes further than that. He says he is a disaster. So <laughs> yeah. this guy just doesn't rate. Bonucci. <laughs> I completely disagree with, um, I think Leonardo Bonucci is one of, if not the best central defender in the world. He's obviously going to struggle going from playing alongside Barzagli, Chiellini, and in front of Gigi Buffon for however many years to playing in this Milan. It's a new Milan, and he is very much... He was one of four. Now he is the one that is responsible for gelling all of that together. And the limelight is very much on him. So if anything goes wrong with that Milan defense, fingers are being pointed at Benucci. He didn't have a good game by any means against Lazio, but I don't know, we always give strikers and players coming from other countries time to settle in, you know, say they need a bit of time to settle into their new team. It's not as big a leap going from Turin to Milan, but in terms of the quality of player he's playing with and his responsibility to those players around him, I think he deserves a bit of time to settle into this role. He's stepped in as club captain. I think he will prove to be worth every cent they paid for him. He just need people just need to calm down, like you say. Um, <laughs> And look, Lazio, Lazio aren't the bad side. I made the mistake oh, of writing them right. off before the season started. Simone and Zaghi hit out at people like me for being stupid. He said um, before the Super Cup, people weren't even talking about us as finishing in the top eight. Now maybe we'll get some respect and they'll say we can finish sixth. So even that was, he was kind of hitting up. But they beat Juventus and now they've smashed Milan. They could surprise a few people again this season. We haven't learned, have we? Yeah, well, um, I'll, I'll, I'll put a little bit of defense of myself for this because I did at least, um, I think in my predictions, I put them fifth ahead of Roma. But for me, it's always been Juve, Napoli, the front two. And then, to be honest, I thought the next um, two Champions League positions would be between Milan, Inter and Lazio because um, at first I, I was kind of wondering how Lazio would deal with those um, players going such as obviously Billy as such a central part, but 
Um, you know, I, th- I really believe in what Inzaghi is doing and I, I don't know how many times we spoke about it last season, but he's built a team and that team works so well together. Um, you know, one can just watch the Supercoppa to see a bit of that, um, how they managed to beat Juventus. So, um, yeah, I, th- they're probably from um, Christmas to the end of last season, they were probably one of the most, if not the most consistent team in Serie A. And uh, I think they can continue to to go alongside that. And they'll, if if all things go well, I think they can push at least challenge for a Champions League position with the likes of Mil- the Milan teams. But this is it. They lost Keita Balotelli late on, but mm. it was kind of clear that he was going to leave throughout yeah. the summer. And Lucas Villa left obviously as well. But it was almost as if these players kind of stepped out of that team and were becoming more individuals and more individually minded. And Menzaghi was kind of thinking okay well we don't need you because yeah. we've got this team Lucas Leva was brought in who was nowhere near really a standard but he could easily just slot in and because they're such a tight unit Bilia might not be missed that much and uh, Nani came in instead of Ketabalde so that he still has a little bit to offer I'm sure I didn't see much of him at Valencia last season but I'm sure he can still do it and of course, it, it helps when you've got someone like Tiro Immobile up front. Um, I, I never thought I'd hear myself say that sentence, to be honest. <laughs> but it's time for us to give him some credit, isn't it? He was brilliant last season. He pretty much went toe-for-toe with Belotti. I'm not sure who scored more in the end. But should Immobile be the first name on Ventura's team sheet as the number nine going forward? Going forward. Um, <laughs> long-term, possibly not. the World Cup next year. Hmm. Immobile is going to be playing in a higher standard of team, um, you know, so there's there's more expectation on him. Is he the guy that Italy should be relying on over Andrea Bellotti? I don't know. For, for me, I don't think it's one over the other necessarily. Uh, I will agree and I will say that he probably deserves to be the the one number nine, let's say, for Italy. Um, purely, I mean, experience obviously plays a lot. I mean, I was just looking at his age and sometimes I forget he's still actually only 27. Like, sometimes you think he's been around for so long, but um, yeah, he's still, you know, he's still quite young um, in the grand scheme of things. So um, in, in Serie A standards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to speak for another eight years. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, you just look at that hat-trick that he produced. It was a, a combination of um, the, the, I think the, the first one was the penalty, I believe so. The composure to take the penalty. Uh, the second was the volleys, the control, precision, and then the third. Um, it was kind of quick feet, um, changing feet to. I think he shot it with his left foot. Um, so it was a bit of everything. And then after that, um, his assist, which was um, slowing down the ball, remaining calm, and then playing it across to Luis Alberto, and um, just he showed a bit of everything that you want in in a striker and. Not just an out-and-out striker, but a team striker, a striker that can work with those around him. So um, I think he's, as a starting number nine for Italy in the World Cup next year, yeah, he's, he's, he's leading the way certainly. But um, I think uh, either way they'll both have a part to play at the World Cup. Yeah, well, they've shown both at Torino and with Italy that they can play together. Yeah. And it's kind of extra reassuring that they've shown that while playing under... Venture both at Torino and Italy, but I, I guess my worry more so with Italy, we won't go off on this, but it was when they played that 4 2 4 against a big team because they just it, it doesn't work against good Pitch. teams. But 
Italy's problem historically has been beating the other teams, you know, the, the teams that they should beat. So if they go at 44 with Immobile and Bellotti up top, goals really shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. So our Scudetto favourites then, Napoli, they were slow starters in the first half against Bologna, but they got a 3-0 win in the end. And it was pretty convincing by the end, really. Um, they showed glimpses of why myself, yourself, and many others have just fallen in love with them this, this year and last, because the third goal in particular, they play some brilliant stuff, Nick, don't they? Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's amazing to watch. And you know what? You, you could, you've got to give them credit because they do this every now and then. Um, they did it quite a bit last season too, where for 50 minutes, 60 minutes, they, they still haven't got that opening goal. And, you know, you're almost starting to panic and think, are they actually going to score? And you start to worry. Um, not that I'm an Napoli fan, but um, it's, um, it, it's having that patience about it, and that's that's a key thing for them because they'll keep going at it and going at it. And even against Bologna, and credit to Bologna because they um, they did well in the first half to hold them out as well as they did, um, and to try and counter their the, the football that Napoli plays. But uh, and they almost started to panic at so early in the second half. It looks like they might have um, they were playing some balls, pushing some balls in midfield that weren't on, and losing possession. And I was starting to think maybe they're not going to get this one. But then um, it was you know you mentioned the third goal, but I I loved. I think I've watched a replay of the first um, goal. Yeah, about, I was going to mention that one about thirty yeah. times because how many times have we seen Napoli do that? It's it's just. It's incredible. I, Lorenzo Insigne, it's, I, was, I was watching play-by-play. Play. I was pausing it and playing it, pausing it. I, I love it because <laughs> you watch it and Lorenzo uh, Insigne receives the ball and he barely even looks up. But in that moment, two things happen. Callahan has start, already started making a run at the back post and Insigne knows exactly where he wants to play the ball. The two, without really, you know, looking at each other or figuring it out, they, they both know instantly what's on. But then that's, it's all good to say, okay, we're going to do that. But then Insigne's ball, to, to be able to just produce that, a curling ball into the back post, which perfectly dips over the defender, it's just... Defensively, you can't deal with that because if you're just, running yeah. back and you touch it, it's going to go in and goalkeepers just don't know what to do. Yeah. But, um, I think it might have been on one of the podcasts you missed this season. I was talking about... There were some clips during the rounds of Mauricio Sarri's training sessions and they use a drone, which is constantly monitored and Sarri will stop everything every once in a while in the attacking plays and drag players physically like three centimetres to the right to tell them <laughs> where to be and where they need to go. And he uses the drone. You know in Football Manager when you have it on the classic 2D setting and you can see your players' movements. It's kind of like that sort of thing. It's But it, it's amazing. I, Napoli... You touched on something there when you said that they can often go 60, 65 minutes without scoring, but you just know that it's coming. And yeah. I remember when remember when Barcelona and Spain were both just completely bossing the world of football around to, between 2010 and 2011-ish. And I can't remember who it was. It was some player in La Liga. And he said, the trick about them is they never stop. Yeah. So, the game kicks off and you close down Iniesta and then he passes the bus gets and then you close him down and then you've closed down 11 players in the space of 10 seconds and you're thinking oh I am wrecked and you look up the clock and there's still 89 minutes to go 
I think Napoli kind of have that effect on teams because it's just pass, 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 and players get dragged all over the place. And then when they have that almost telepathic communication with one another where the ball up and he knows that Callahan's going to be there and Callahan knows and trusts Insigne's ability and vision to pick him out and play the pass. It's just, it's unstoppable. And one of the questions from one of your namesakes, I think his name was Nicholas in the comments. Yeah, he said, do you think Napoli can win the big games this year? Which is kind of an interesting thing because Juventus have been their downfall in recent seasons, but Juventus aren't as infallible as recent years, I think. And as we said, they've not been tested yet either. So who's to say Juventus can even win the big games this year? They lost against Lazio already. So I think before we see otherwise, yeah, why not? Napoli can win the big games. Of course they can. Nick, have you anything else? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So I've got a, something else to move on to quickly. Um, oh, just, well, I mean, you mentioned the third goal too, but um, yeah, that was just, I mean, almost taking the piss. Um, just passing it through it's just it's just poetry it's it's beautiful I mean I could talk about their football all day um you know I'm not a Napoli fan but sometimes I wish I was because it's just it's just beautiful to yeah I, I put up a, a tweet actually when that third goal went in and said like, it doesn't matter who you support Napoli are one of those teams that you yeah. just need to be watching right now so exactly if you're yeah. listening to this watching this just type into Google <laughs> for your own times on when they are playing next and just take a couple of hours and watch them. You you really won't regret it. They are brilliant to watch. Um, James Horncastle said that he sees them being, he could see them potentially being the Monaco of this year's Champions League. I'm not so sure about that. I, I hope they're not because I think that might come at a cost in Serie A. Do you think they have the ability to go to what, the semifinals, even maybe the final in Europe this year? I, um, in terms of ability, I do. 100%. Whether, as you kind of alluded to, how they go about um, the Champions League with relation to Serie um kind of sways my <laughs> um, opinion on that because I, to me, Definitely. I think Serie might be their 
their main goal this season. So they might not give Champions League 100, but, you know, they're not going to slack off, but, you know, it might not be Sari's main um, main ambition. But, you know, on on their day and going back to that question, can they take on the big teams? I really think with every passing week they are, they're becoming more and more of a team that can take on some of the best teams uh, in Europe when you've got the likes of Piotr Zielinski who is um, looking like more and more an incredible big-time player, and that's the key. There's more of these players that look like they can produce in the big games. So, um, yeah, I don't <laughs> And if you if you look at some of those big teams in Europe as well, the likes of Barcelona, Real Madrid, even Bayern Munich were beaten by Hoffenheim this weekend. Hmm. They're not defensively that strong, you know. Real Madrid have slipped up this season. Barca haven't conceded, but defensively they're always a bit questionable. I think Napoli's worst nightmare would be to be drawn against someone like Manchester United because if there's one thing Jose Mourinho can do is just kill a game. So he he might be able to stop Sarri, but. Who knows? I, I'm kind of with you, though. I do hope, not. I don't hope that they don't do well in Europe. But if it meant they weren't going to win the Scudetto, I, I would. T- I'm sure a lot of Napoli fans would take them crashing out in the group stages, even. But mm. a ridiculously good double and win both. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Nick, Inter Spal. I didn't see this. I, I only saw the four-minute highlight clips that Serie A put up on YouTube. But VAR played a part here, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, a, a small six-minute uh, cameo. From, from <laughs> it got v- the decision right. Yeah, yes, that's the key. Um, so, <laughs> depends what you're looking at for, for what what you want from VAR. Do you want a quick decision that um, might be wrong, or do you want um, a longer decision which might be which will be correct? Um, not to say that there aren't improvements to be made in VAR. There is some incredible – the implementation of it in Serie A certainly hasn't been good. You know, I think it, that's a pretty fair enough statement to say. But I, I, I've seen a lot of criticism against VAR as a system, and I think that's, I think that's a bit too much because, you know, particularly in Serie A, I mean, how much controversy there's been over the years, over the seasons about the refereeing decisions, um, you know, with lots of conspiracies going around about certain teams and, you know, it, it doesn't make the, the league look good. And now there's a system that's working against that, but now a lot of, uh, a lot of the fans want to complain that it's taken too long. And, you know, it's, yes, it is taking too long. Don't get me wrong, but, you can't have it. You can't complain about wrong decisions, but then when they try and fix that, complain that it's taken too long. Like I'm going to cut you just... off. Right. <laughs> I agree, but six minutes is ridiculous. Yes, right. It is. Um, it is. We're not going to go on it... for six minutes on VIR because we did talk about this previously. Nick, you are doing something on. Oh yeah. I'm going to. Um, I'll do. I'm going to do a little bit of a opinion piece on on VIR, but put forward the the argument. Um, that you know that basically along the lines of what I was saying, but check uh, keep keep um, uh, I can't speak English today. Stay tuned to the YouTube channel um, <laughs> FIF. I'll put a nice little VA, uh, VAR video up, um, but I'll be keen to get lots of opinions about that. So check it out and comment when uh, when I put it up because we want to see what everyone else out there thinks about it because it is controversial. But for me to keep it short. 
I think the big thing is we need to be making the right decisions in Stadia and we are moving towards it. You're always a great man for a long, short answer. Do you know that? Uh, I can't help it. I don't. <laughs> I think that question. Like, like hearing yeah. my own voice or something. Sorry. Yeah, maybe a little bit. We, we have a question. <laughs> Are you contenders for the Scudetto? It's too early. I think we can both agree on that. They beat Spal. One of their goals was a penalty. Um, but Inter were impressive, it has to be said. It was brilliant, but that's no surprise. Perisic was just stunning. But, Nick, you look confused. No. <laughs> I mean, well, Perisic... Um, Funnily enough, um, for me, Perisic, it wasn't his, it was probably one of his most quietest games. I think Spoll actually contained him for most of the games um, where he's usually quite busy down that left flank. Um, but, I mean, he showed how, how, um, Ruth, uh, how, how much of an impact he can have when given the opportunity, I guess, because that, um, I did tell you I can't speak English today, um, I'm in Germany, so you know I've I've been hearing people speak German all day. I didn't um, realize you're in Germany now. Anyway, yeah, nothing to do with Inter, but anyway, just for anyone out there wondering, um, what we're we talking about, Inter. Um, yeah, so Perisic, yeah, showed he just needs one moment to um, to show his kind of talent, and that's exactly why it was so important to keep to keep him because um, him he we've seen he's providing the assists for Icardi already this season. Um, but yeah, it, you know, I'm not going to talk Scudetto for Inter because it's three games in, and it's for me, it's as a obviously I make no secret that I'm an Inter fan, but it's silly to be thinking the Scudetto because um, that team um, doesn't deserve to be spoken in the same light as Napoli and Juventus, who are deserved Scudetto challenges for me. I don't think Inter's at that level yet. Um, they need the consistency. Fair, if anyone's going to get them to that level, it probably is Luciano Spalletti. Hundred oh, percent. Um, you know, look, I'll, I'll play them down as as much as I can. I, that's I'll, I'll always do that. Um, but look, there is a lot to be excited about. There's no doubt. Luciano Spalletti. Uh, you know, I've spoken a lot about him. I think he's the perfect uh, manager for Inter right now. Um, Milan Skriniar has been incredible. Um, as a partner for Miranda in defence. He surprised me um, particularly. I wasn't sure if he was um, if he would be uh, good enough straight away to to be the first choice centre-back, but he's um, he's in a lot of ways outshone uh, Miranda. And for me, he was the man of the match against Spal. Um, I thought it was incredible and almost almost pulled off a ridiculous long-range effort. It came off the crossbar. So That was unbelievable. Yeah, apparently he's got a shot on him as well, so... Um, yeah, there's a lot that that central um, midfield, um, Vecino, uh, Borja Valero and Gagliardini, that seems to be working well in a little rotation that Spalletti has them working in at the moment, which is working fantastic. And we know what Akadi does. So across the pitch is looking well, but I don't know. I'm, I'm an Inter fan for, for someone who's obviously not, I mean, Surely you don't put them in into a you know into a Scudetto challenge already, do? I think Inter's priority this season should be overturning the ten point deficit between them and the best Nerazzurri in Serie. A. Oh God! Right, get back into the top four. No, seriously. Um, Vieri 
was at the game for us and he mm. did the report and had a quick video outside the San Siro. So you should head to ForzaItalianFootball.com, YouTube, Facebook, wherever, and watch that, read what he wrote. And his closing line was something like, Inter can challenge. And mm. I don't know, they can, but not this year for me. I, I, like you said, they don't deserve to be put in that category with Napoli and Juventus just yet. But who knows? Spalletti can do a brilliant job there. Cardi will get them goals. And if Skriniar plays like this, they'll, they'll keep a few clean sheets with Miranda and at the back. Um, th- that's kind of it for the, the big games, really. But um, if we're going to talk about one of the new boys, we'll fly through the next three games very quickly. Benevento, oh, it was heartbreaking. They kind of last minute to see it against Torino. And it was a weird one because Torino probably deserved to win it. But Benevento did not deserve to lose that. They had chances. And I think one of the big differences was Torino actually have a goalkeeper this season. And (laughs) Sirigu made some excellent saves. And they probably would have been 3-0 down if they played this game this time last year. But Nick, Benevento. Uh, Look, it's it's always going to be a struggle um, coming into Serie A. It's the same thing with Crotone last season. And uh, Crotone hadn't won... A point at this point either last season after three games and now look look at look at Crotone they're infinitely better than where they were last season because they were on zero points last season now they're on one infinitely better so there you go all right, yeah. it, it, right. <laughs> things are looking oh. up for Benevento is what I'm saying things can yeah, only get better like, you just sounded like a Crotone fanboy but uh, Atalanta beats Oswolo 2-1 first win of the season Patania Cornelius scored no one cares Best team in Italy. Verona lost 5-0 to Fiorentina. Viola's back. Sorry? The Viola's back. Right, they're not. They beat Verona. <laughs> this is the thing. Everyone's like, oh, everyone rid off Fiorentina. Yeah, they, you beat Verona. You have Giampaolo Pazzini and Alessio Cerchi in their team, you know? But one thing I will say for the Viola is Giovanni Simeone is going to be a player. Mm. Uh, I even said this in the first part of the season, I think it was, when I, after slating them for about five minutes, I said, Simeone Chiesa and Benassi will give them some excitement this season. And they did that. Mm. Uh, albeit it was against Verona, but... It's, Zina, what are they looking at? Mid-table finish this year, or... Fiorentina? Hmm. Um, yeah, mid... <laughs> no, I, <laughs> at the start of the season, given what had happened, I thought... Top um, top half of the table is fair for them, whether that be eighth, ninth. I think that would be fair. So anything better than that is is great for them, in my opinion, um, because you know um, it's been well um, covered what, what's happened with that team and the turnover there. So, but look, it's yes, it was Verona, but they should take confidence. And there's a lot of excitement. You've me- you've mentioned them um, about the attack there, particularly. And a fun fact for you, um, Connor. I know you like your stats. Yeah, of, go on. of all the top five, um, of all the clubs in the top five leagues in Europe, Fiorentina rank number one for the shots per match this season. All At right, twenty shots per match. Okay, Skriniar hit a shot from about forty yards at the weekend. But, you know, that doesn't really mean that much to me. Fiorentina. Yeah, I know. But what I'm saying is you can shoot from anywhere. It it doesn't mean that you're dominating a game. 
No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm hey, hey, hey. Uh, I'm just, I'm trying. We got, we got Viola fans at home there, just looking for a bit of hope. I'm trying to give it to them, and you're just shutting <laughs> it down. Unbelievable. How many shots have they had this season? Sixty. About thirty of those were probably against Verona at the weekend. Well, and- you'd think that, but um, there was, I think it was twenty, 20 against Verona. There was um, 25 against in the, um, one of the matches and then 15 in the other from memory. Okay, so, so it wasn't just one game. Uh, all right, so you're helping me. So they had 25 shots in a match and didn't win it. Look, I'm not saying they're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying there's, there's a little bit to be excited about with that attack. I think there's some exciting talent there um, and a lot of potential there. And I'm trying to help Alveola fans at home. They've had a rough summer. I, I think they need help coming Been back. It's a reality based on a comment that's just come in. Um, I was going to say, we seem to have a few Fiorentina listeners, mm. which is strange because we just them a lot. But he says, Fiorentina <laughs> is stacked. The only sides that will definitely finish ahead of us are Juve, Napoli, and Roma. How have Roma got into that list? And he says they'll finish in the fourth to sixth range. Um, that's a big shout. Um, I like your positivity, uh, Nikki. Is it fourth? Nikki. No, I mean, look, I'm just look. It's good to be positive, I guess, in life. I think. I, what I will pick on. <laughs> how, what have Roma done to get into that list? Roma aren't going to finish in the top three. No. Um, look, teams that will finish in front of Fiorentina for me, um, I could confidently say Juventus, Napoli, Inter, Lazio, AC Milan, and possibly Roma. Possibly Roma. Atalanta. I'll put Fiorentina with Roma in the, the two after that initial five. There you go. You'd put Fiorentina in that bracket, really? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be positive. For Nikki at home. <laughs> I agree until you said Fiorentina. I don't know. But, well, I mean, look. No if, one knows what to expect from them yet. But look, from, from, after you look at the, the top five or top six, you know, it's going to be a battle for those those next positions with Atalanta, Torino, Fiorentina. Um, That's I, think that'll be, Fiorentina. I think that'll be quite close. You know, I don't think we should completely write off Fiorentina from that. No, um, but that, that's the mid-table bracket. Fiorentina, Atalanta, Torino. Um, maybe, I don't know, Cagliari or someone will surprise them and get into that. Look, put it this way. If Fiorentina finished sixth, that's incredible and Pioli should be given coach, uh, coach of the season award. He says, our goalkeeper is about the same. Fullbacks are improved. Centre-backs improved. Centre-mid slightly worse, maybe. Marcos Portiello is going to cost you at least 15 goals a season. He really switches off all the time. And he's a dick. But um, anyway... <laughs> I was going to talk about season tickets because the Viola fans out in Italy aren't as optimistic as that guy because they, their season tickets fell mm. this season. Um, Agreed. Which is understandable given what's happened. Nick, in a word, or no more than 20, I know how you are, Europe this year, Champions League, Roma play Atleti, Barca play Juve, Napoli are away to Shakhtar, and then the Europa League, Atalanta are at home, well, not really at home, they're playing in the Mape Stadium against everything. Austria, Vienna playing Milan and Vitesse play Lazio. How will Italian sides do in Europe this year? Mm. I think 
they didn't get the best draw. I don't know if it's just because we're kind of steady our bias and we always just see the, the negatives in it, but it seems like they always get tough, tough draws. But um, I, th- I think they'll give it a good run. I think Juventus and Napoli certainly should should um, make the, the next stage of the Champions League. I think they have enough talent to do that. Um, in the Europa, well, Roma, Roma, yeah, um, it sucks for Roma because, look, the best thing for Roma is that there's no expectations on them with that kind of group. So uh, let's let's hope they can kind of just um, play with um, no fear and um, get that experience, build that experience for future seasons and assist Di Francesco in his ongoing development. Um, Atalanta, I, you know what? I'm not sure. I, I would have loved for them to be at Bergamo. Oh, they would have loved it. They but, wouldn't have lost at home. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, you look at Everton, they haven't been in great form. I think only four points from their opening four matches in um, the Premier League. And you can just imagine them coming to Bergamo, the atmosphere. It would be such a hostile environment for them. And you could, to be honest, if it was a Bergamo, I would say, you know, I'd be putting a bet on for Atalanta, oh. double chance, win or draw yeah, for I'd sure. Because, three figures on to that. Yeah. You know, um, one thing Matt Pye Stadium, sorry. That should be said is the Atalanta ticket situation is a mess. I don't know what's happening there, but the fans are the fans are not happy with what's happening. There's just a lot of confusion. People mm. left in the dark who have applied for tickets. And as far as I know, on Friday, people still didn't know if they were getting tickets or not. And some of these people don't necessarily live in Italy. So they're trying to arrange travel to get there from London or something to see the game. And no one knows if they've got tickets or not yet. It, it, it's not being organized too well especially given that it's not as straightforward as just going to Bergamo you've got to get down to Reggio Emilia as well you know so I don't know it's not the best preparation for it hmm yeah it's um it's uh, you know let's I'm not I'm not sure exactly what the situation is but let's hope a few uh, a lot of the fans can get down to the Mapai stadium and um they can get a result against Everton um yeah it's a tough one but um I'm I'm really interested to see what Lazio can do actually um, in in Europe. Um, I'm not sure how Inzaghi will take it on. What how much of it? I guess it's it's a big thing with how they weigh it up against the Serie A because I'm sure Lazio maybe they have Champions League on their mind with um, you know top four places. So um, it's a tough one, but I, I think I think they could uh, possibly surprise some people in Europe this season. Yeah, I'd enjoy that, but I'm not going to get behind them because last time I tipped them to surprise people in Europe, they didn't even get into the Champions League because they fell out <laughs> in the, the qualification match. But anyway, that's going to just about do it for us this week. Guys, thank you, everyone who's been getting involved in the comments. We do really enjoy when you do that, especially when it's a two-man show because it, hmm. it helps us get through. Yeah. And it's always nice to know that people are watching and actually engaging with what we do. Um, if you don't already, subscribe to us on iTunes or Acast, whatever. Follow us on Twitter at Serie FFC, Facebook and Instagram, Forza Italian Football. Head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com, read our stuff, click on the very right. You can buy some mugs with Roberto Baggio and Fabio Cannavaro on. They're great, and you get your daily reminder of Italian football legends. Uh, Nick, Patreon, do a plug for us there, please. Um, yeah. Well, going off the back of what Connor's just uh, mentioned, 
obviously you might have seen also with um, we're doing obviously the YouTube videos, but we've actually had a lot of our reporters like Vieri and Tom out at the stadiums as well. So we're trying to get, um, you know, reporting out live from each of the stadiums in Italy and all of this YouTube um, reporting live, uh, the podcast, we all do it uh, voluntary basically. So, um, you know, any funds that we can get um, purely go into back into the project and allow us to to improve the overall project and, um, you know, grow the Setia brand in the English-speaking world, which is, you know, our overall goal. So any assistance, any change, spare change that you can afford is very much greatly appreciated. And um, Connor mentioned the mugs. And um, personally, I'm quite looking forward to us getting a mug out um, with your face on it, Connor, because you're the biggest mug that I know. <laughs> Over to you. Said you weren't going to say that, Nick. I'm a bit, I'm a bit heartbroken after that. I've been to waiting be to say that all night, but I thought I'd run it in. Thanks for that. No appreciate it. That's the last you'll hear from Nick on the Fourth Italian Football Podcast. Not only tonight, but. For the rest of the season, he's back in the stands like Spinazzola. <laughs> uh, but yeah, look, guys, thanks again for commenting. Get in touch with us on Twitter. Uh, give out to me on Twitter for hating on Fiorentina. Uh, give out to Nick on Twitter for being overly optimistic about something and just being a general idiot. Mm. Look out for the VAR yeah. video and give us your thought. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's coming out. Um, ciao, Jack. Me. We'll be back again next week. Thanks, Jack. 10.30 p.m. UK time, 11.30 p.m. Central European time, right here on YouTube, and then the podcast will be out tomorrow morning, every week. So, yeah. Thanks, guys. All that's left is ciao for now. sempre la più bella ed ogni volta che rintocca il campanone ho voglia di cantare questa canzone Lazio sul prato verde vola Lazio tu non sarai mai sola vola un'aquila nel cielo Sempre ci fai compagnia, con le bandiere al vento e un tuffo in fondo al cuore. Sono brividi forti e voglia di gridare, perché il coro che famo tutti quanti insieme. Dice Lazio sei grande, te volevo bene. Lazio, sul prato verde vola, 
deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.